Welcome to an Audible. My name is Jeremy Wyland. My co-host, Ryan Masterson, is on parental leave. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in service to the Infinite Creator. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Uh, I and my guest will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our second guest on this podcast, Nithin Reddy, who is a longtime student of the Law of One and a longtime friend of mine from many LL Research homecomings. Nithin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good evening. From here from sunny Southern California. It's still still light outside. Um, Jeremy, thank you for having me here today. I'm really looking forward to discussing curiosity and spirituality with you here on the cast. Yeah, yeah, no, this is this is a topic that I have been looking forward to having a discussion about for some time, because as I got back on my spiritual path uh, a couple of years ago, uh, one of the uh, people who I read who most inspired me was Pima Chodron, who I've talked about a lot on this podcast, and she places a lot of emphasis on curiosity, and I realized that when my interest was peaked in my spiritual path again. It wasn't because I felt that I should do it or that I had to do it, but that there was something special, something different that had changed in my life and in my outlook on the project of my life. Something that intrigued me, that pulled me out instead of saying you either have to do this or you're bad or you have to do that and you're good or whatever. And that was a brand new element of my seeking that I really hadn't experienced in quite some time. And it made me hungry. And I was meditating. I was inquiring into the nature of myself and looking at my relationships, not because they were things that a discipline was telling me to do, but because I wanted to do these things. I wanted to see how they worked. I wanted to see the energetic charge of them and feel them have them be real for me. And that, that sense of curiosity uh, has been driving me ever since. It, it, it ebbs and flows, right? And so I'm really interested in talking to another longtime seeker who sees the same value in curiosity and who wants to talk about it from their point of view. So where would you start in talking about your uh, journey? I mean, maybe you can give us an introduction on kind of like what your path has been like and maybe weave in there like, you know, how curiosity plays a role. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I love how you kind of started this off because, you know, talking about often on the spiritual path, on the spiritual path for many of us, including me, you know, you start off with shoulds. And a lot of that is, is deprogramming, I think, from how society and culture has raised us into thinking how we get things done, right? Um, but also this feeling of you, you need to or you have to, right? And at least uh, when you said that, for me, that resonated with the idea of, you know, I that I needed to or I had to do it in order to achieve something else. And for me, that was healing, right? I wanted to, and when I say healing, I'm just using it very generically. And uh, I'm big on definitions of words. And, I, and I'll, you know, talk about what I mean by curiosity. But in terms of healing, I just basically mean um, 
becoming less distorted, right? Especially with things that bother you, make you upset, whatever it is. Um, in my case, like I think in many people's path, you know, depression uh, for years, things of that nature. Um, but then it does change into uh, curiosity. Now, what, what do we mean by curiosity? I always start with a lay definition because sometimes spiritual definitions or the way things, concepts are talked about in spirituality are different than the everyday dictionary definition, right? But when I actually looked it up, you know, in Oxford uh, dictionary here, uh, curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. You know, when I was thinking of that, that is actually a pretty good definition for I th how I would think of it in terms of uh, the spiritual path as well. Um, this idea that um, a strong desire to learn something, right? And I, I think you're going to bring in a quote, quote where it talks about that. Um, so I, I, I definitely agree with kind of the progression that you talked about was also true for me. And it's, it's interesting in terms of my path in general. I started looking into this, started becoming spiritual, I guess, 10 years ago. Um, probably found some other stuff right maybe even the, right before finding the law of one right around the nine and a half year mark um law of one is a big influence on my life i definitely enjoy other ll research um channelings as well a lot we hatan um i haven't read as much quo as i want as i want to um but i'm definitely interested in quo uh maybe about five years ago spirituality changed from maybe like a sideshow a, a department of my life to like uh, the main act, so to speak. Yeah. That being said, it's not like I've, I've, even though a part of me has contemplated, you know, just quitting everything and just, you know, doing the cliched, you know, the hermit in the forest, I, you know, still have a job and all that, but, um, it's definitely like at the forefront, daily practice, all of that, you know, just thinking, seeing everything through that lens. But, um, yeah. And there's also been other influences, uh, especially in the past few years, uh, Dao De Ching, Alan Watts, but uh, definitely LL Research has probably been the biggest influence in my journey. And, uh, you know, from the from the way of defining curiosity is really a strong desire to learn something. Absolutely. I think it's, in my experience, it's super important for my journey, but also just, you know, just looking at the the channeling uh, material, there's a lot of, lot of reference to mystery and, and desire to learn, and I'm sure we're going to get into that more. Yeah, this is something that uh, I believe Joseph and I spoke about on the last podcast, where uh, one of the things that really attracted me to those of Ra and then other Confederation sources was their humility, where they, uh, the sense of mystery that they tried to engender in us of the draw of the unknown, the way that the unknown, it can be a friend and not simply this like barrier to consciousness and understanding. Uh, they partake of that feeling as well. They're, they're not all knowing they're still going on their path. And so what I found in the, in the material that LO research has generated uh, that I really appreciate is this. Uh, yeah, it's just a sense of humility and like we're on we're trying to learn along with you. And and that, that that's funny too because they also say often that they learn a lot from their contacts with us, just like we learn from them, right? Like in fact, sometimes I think they claim that the uh the balance of the learning has been on their end, not on ours. I think sometimes the way that we approach things, the the way that we parse the veil is an interesting thing for them to study sometimes. 
You know what I mean? Like they, uh, they don't have our vantage point. And what we're seeing from our vantage point that's new and novel in the creation is of great interest to them. Just like we love to hear about what things look like from their side, right? So I, I agree that there's, uh, for, the, for those who want to explore, who want to be part of an adventure and making their lives into it, an adventure of discovery and exploration um, that partakes of that curiosity, um, I really think the material that... Uh, uh, Carla and Jim and Don have generated is just, there's nothing better in my book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, a lot of the words you, you just use exploration, that was actually a word that was, uh, you know, I was thinking, um, it, 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 you know, often I feel like for me, when I, when I use the word to learn something, you know, I often associate with learn something to, but as um, as a stepping stone, right? But for me, the that's just my personal interpretation. I'm not saying you can definitely learn something just because you enjoy learning things. But for me, the phrase to explore, it's almost more of an end in, into itself. Like you don't have any expectation or goal, right? You just you're just doing it because that's who you are, right? It's or, it's pure science. It's not right. for a company or for a technology, but it's for the <laughs> right. love of the knowledge itself, right? Exactly. There's a quote that um, actually sums this up a little bit. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and read it. Um, I think it'll set the stage for what we're talking about. It's February 6, 2000. And Quo says, many things have been projected by entities within your third density and in many other densities concerning the nature of the one infinite creator. And many are the commands of various religions concerning behavior towards the one infinite creator. But in truth, it was not that the creator wished to be loved, but rather that it wished to know itself. Curiosity, then, the desire to know more, is built into the one infinite creator's nature. It is only reasonable, therefore, that the infinite creator would choose, at some point, to give its souls free will." And maybe that's a good place to begin, that that curiosity uh, is bound up with the idea that we are free to explore. If you don't feel that you are free, if you are in a more stifling religion where things are a little bit more rigid, and for some personalities, maybe that's okay, but there are some personalities who find those constraints really uh, difficult to deal with because they want to be able to ask questions like children do, right? They want to be able to ask why, and they want to be able to ask why about things that matter to their lives, the things that they're going through, the lessons they're learning, uh, the pl places in which uh, they're feeling pain and suffering. I mean, even children feel that, and, and children have to I'm sure, I know I did, uh, just wonder why it has to be like this. Um, and so the idea of free will and our ability to choose our experiences and then have this veiled experience of them in which we get to have a pure understanding of what we chose, uh, I think is a really important part of why curiosity plays such a role in our evolutionary path. Totally agree. Uh, the... Um... I, there's a raw quote uh, I don't have it readily available but basically it talks about that it's really difficult to um, to learn and it's raw is obviously talking about learning in a, in a spiritual sense not necessarily learning how to be a better banker or something uh, not that that isn't uh, useful in its own right but um, 
basically if you're working from you know uh, sunrise to sunset it's really hard and you know you mentioned having a really structured religion uh, basically curiosity and free will are very interlinked and the more restricted you are and often you know it's these restrictions are at first they might seem like they're externally imposed but really these are restrictions that we willingly accept right um, right. Because we, we can always, you can always reject the culture and society you, you're, you're a part of that might bring these restrictions. Yes, it might be difficult, but a lot, a lot of the, a lot of this journey is difficult, right? It's not always super easy. Um, but it's it, it's it's becoming unburdened, so you can kind of be free to you know have that childlike innocence and childlike curiosity, and to fully embrace your free will. It's because in a strange sense, you can use your free will. To say I'm not going to use free will and I'm just going to go along with what everything else is absolutely is is they already there and what everyone else is telling me. So it's it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition about it, it's kind of like the whole thing about the infinite creator right and then becoming many selves and in a certain sense becoming the infinity trying to limit itself right yeah and it's kind of the the uh, this is a common theme right and law of one and and I think many spiritual uh, practices the uh the paradoxes involved right infinity being finite and, and vice versa absolutely yeah uh the paradox is the sign of the uh the spiritual as uh those the confederation often say so we have this concept of free will and of uh going into places that are that choosing to go into places unknown uh, places where, uh, I guess another aspect of curiosity is because it's pushing us into the unknown. Uh, sometimes it might not always be comfortable. And I, and I wonder because, you know, the, those of Ra and those of the Confederation tend to place very little importance on comfort per se, right? The things that catalyze the things that goad us to seek and to push past things, um, when we don't have that inborn curiosity is usually like some sort of discomfort, some sort of thing that gets us up off our ass and gets moving. And it seems to me like um, curiosity can often, often put us in this position where in the exploration of new aspects of our life or our consciousness or whatever, I mean, we can run into things that are that scare us. I mean, even something as simple as meditation has... I have had experiences in my life where that kind of facing myself on that kind of basic level has not been comfortable. And uh, so there is I one, one uh, uh, virtue of curiosity, I suppose I should say, is that it does push us to past our limits willingly, right? Like we have the stuff and, and, and that's it. I guess I'm not sure how much it matters that we're willing consciously, right? Because we choose all of our experience for the most part. <laughs> it's just a matter of which part of us. Is it the full part of us that we are conscious of? Or is it the part that's behind the veil? And so I think although catalysis is very important in showing us our true reflection, showing us our deeper selves, it strikes me as really... It strikes me that the creation is not simply a furnace in which we just burn off uh, the parts of ourselves that are transient and that aren't supposed to go forward. Like, there's also a place for us to be creative 
It's not just, in, in other words, it's not just the creation acting upon us to transform us. We also play a role in that transformation. When I think about our role in that, our creative role as co-creator, I think of curiosity chiefly because it is that wonder, that sense of wonder with which you approach your spiritual path that gives it all of its like ferment and energy, right? It's the thing that draws, that keeps pulling you out there instead of the thing that pushes you out there, right? Like catalyst right. kind of pushes you into the spotlight, but the curiosity it's inborn in us uh, wants us, wants us to go out on that stage and be in the spotlight. And you need both, right? You need the thing that pushes you over the line, but you also need that uh, hunger to go over the line. Agreed. And at least this is just my personal experience here on earth, um, observing myself and other people as they, uh, you know, transition from, I guess, an unawakened life to an awakened life. It seems that curiosity honestly has less of a role initially. A lot of times people are in a lot of pain, whether they acknowledge it or not. And, um, you know, awakening seems to come out of that sense of maybe really just wanting to be healed or wanting comfort and then realizing maybe I'll, uh, you know, I'll do this. I'll, I'll start exploring spirituality, meditation in order to achieve something else, that comfort, that peace of mind, whatever it is. Um, but what I've noticed is for myself and also for a few of my friends, I've been, uh, I guess, blessed enough to go through the experience of um, randomly have, you know, right around the time I became awakened 10 years ago. And I think Ra mentions this, that when you learn something, there's innate desire when you just learn, especially when you just learn it, to try to, to just express it or teach it, you know, oh, yeah. hopefully not too authoritatively because you don't want to, you know, infringe on other people's journey. But uh, so I was just sharing what I was going through to one of my office buddies, uh, office buddy, drinking buddy. And uh, I guess he was just ready because he he went from like an atheist to like believing in all, doing meditation on his own. And I didn't I don't, I don't even think I talked to him about the law of one right away i just talked about how what i experienced in meditation and how you know it's one thing to to use the mind but it's another thing i think in meditation you tap into other forms of perception because i, I almost describe it that when people say like you know do you believe in the creator god for me it's not even really a belief it's like saying do you believe you're alive it's like i experience that i'm alive it's a direct experience right and so doing these things like meditation you directly experience it and and what i've noticed is so initially maybe you need that push or um in my life and in what i've observed in other people sometimes they need that push and you could also argue lebra talks about you know the conditions in this solar system i think it says it uses the term logos um before the veil and that everyone basically um they weren't motivated <laughs> to evolve because I guess they were just very content and, you know, they could see that everything was the creator, but they weren't, they weren't really motivated to, it seemed like they weren't that motivated to explore, you know? Um, so maybe initially there, it can be helpful. I'm not saying in every single case you need some discontent, you need some discomfort, but it seems like it can be helpful to have a, maybe a little bit of a pain, <laughs> a little bit of push to get you into it. But I've definitely noticed, as you talked about, that now my main motivation is just, um, there's a momentum that builds up, right? Every And I think Ra talks about the, there's a quote on the first time, the first cornerstone is choosing love in the moment. And then every single other instance, it builds upon that. Right. And literally like I have situations where I'm like, wow, 
And because I'm just, I'm just, I guess I've trained myself or just, I naturally think this way now, now that I, you know, I've uh, resolved most of my issues with, you know, being self-conscious and stuff like that. I think that everyone I think goes through growing up in the society. Now I'm like, oh, here's a situation. It's almost like I have, I can, I can clearly see I can respond with love or I can respond with like the neutral societally acceptable option. Right. And, and it just like, and then I, I, it just, it's not even, it's almost like I'm just, I know I'm going to respond with love, but it's like in the back of my mind, I see the choice there, you know? And it's just, it's just very interesting because sometimes there'll be choices where it's not so clear. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go on a limb and do something crazy, seemingly crazy. Usually for me, where it where I'm still, I guess, fighting the, the momentum of choosing love is when it comes to work, right? So you're, you're, if you're in a work environment that is very like, um, you know, you got to put in tons of hours, high stress. I think it's a little bit harder to always bring that momentum of choosing love, right? So, um, you know, I've had instances where, you know, I've had to be like, look, I could put in more hours to get this done, or I can have compassion for myself and be like, dude, I already worked like 12 hours today. Um, you know, normally maybe the boss might be unhappy if I put in three more hours, but given all that's happened and given whatever, I'm just, I'm actually going to, how, how, even though a part of me resists, I'm going to choose love. And, and for anyone who's listening, this is not a recent job. So it's not my current job, right? Um, it's like, I'm, yeah, however uncomfortable this feels, because we're so trained in society that one of the best things to be is a productive worker, right? Right. Um, and, okay, and it's even harder for people who are, who have chosen professions where you help others. So it's not just productivity. You're the, whatever, social worker, you're helping indigent clients. It's like putting in more time in a certain sense actually might help someone. But the way I view it is choosing the overall picture of love is understanding that you need to recharge. And if you're burnt out, you're actually going to be helping less people down the line. And in my previous position, when I was kind of managing, I tried to teach people that, that you're in, in this for the long haul. You don't want to burn yourself out, man. You know? So, Absolutely. But bottom line is uh, approaching those situations from a sense of curiosity of like, this has worked so well in the past when I felt it needed to. I'm just going to be, uh, I guess, uh, experiment and see what's going to happen, right? When I do it now. And I think that's very much comes from a, from a place of, of the desire to learn and to see what happens. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I think that is a very advanced approach to phenomenal reality of using the illusion as our good friend Axel Rose says to learn and to study and probe the creator in a way, right? Like, like it's one thing to make a, to be, to be offered a choice and based on your lessons and your understanding and your distortions, you make a choice that either reflects, you know, your greater choice of polarity or not. And you learn both ways. Right. But, uh, under like purposely doing the George Costanza thing, right. Of like, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I think is right. And it's going to work out for me. Right. Cause it's the opposite of what I think. That's not quite what you're saying, but it, it kind of reminds me of that. It's like Pima Chodron has a line. That's like, you know, when, so when things aren't working out, you know, and you feel lost and you know, the, 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 the number one thing you want to do is do something, do anything different, right? Like, don't just keep doing the same thing that's making you feel dead and making you feel muted in your life, but try something else. Like, use your life 
uh, as if it's something that like is an instrument for you to, to paint with and you can try different things. And like, there are very few decisions in our lives that really, really make that much of a difference, even in the outward flow of our lives. And like, if there are big ones that we want to avoid experimenting on, we have plenty of little ones, right? We have Absolutely. plenty. I'll, the, the, the opportunities that I have um, that I try to experiment on are mostly in the car driving. Because you have these little vignettes, right, of, of like interactions with these randos where like you – I don't know about other people, but I find myself immediately attributing <laughs> personality uh, 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 like qualities to complete strangers who I have no idea who they are. But because <laughs> of the way they drive, I make some inferences, right? And then it becomes about my issue with that type of person. I'm right. not in the moment, right? I'm working through some. And so, like, the ability to, like, recognize that and be like, okay, is that really what I want to do? Not going to lie, fam. Sometimes I want to get messy as hell, right? And I want to, like, have that drama. And it's it's it's... In some ways, it's it's more honest to just admit that you're going to be messy sometimes, and that sometimes it's just going to come, it's just going to come out sideways, right? Absolutely. So that so that right so that you can learn how to trust yourself. You can learn that when you say that's not what I want to do, that reflects what you really do want, you know. And that's that's another aspect of curiosity that uh, intrigues me is the way that it's connected to desire. Uh, my understanding of confederation philosophy is that desire is kind of the motive force of evolution. It is the thing, the desire to reunite with the creator is the, in my view, I, you might have a different interpretation of this, Nathan, but in my view, does the, the desire to reunite with the creator is the core desire out of which everything else is distorted that we desire. Is that how, kind of how you look at it? Uh, y yes and no. I think, um, in terms of if we, if, if I can call it a little bit fuzzy, I would I would agree with, with you, what you're saying. For me personally, the word desire is a little bit too um, mentally oriented, mind oriented. Now, you know, Quo uses desire, Law, uh, Raw uses desire, but I don't think they did a deep dive into talking about what that meant by desire. Um, you know, there's 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 discussion in um, Confederation philosophy about evolution is really this inevitable spiraling upward of light. And for me, I see it more of, it's just part of our being. Um, for shorthand, if you want to call it desire, sure. But I would say it's it's more in, perhaps more innate than that. It, it, unless you're willing to attribute desire as something that can ex exist past the mind, right? Um, but more or less, I would agree with what you're saying. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe what you see is more of desire as kind of like a uh an ancillary effect of the scroll of time unfolding and like the idea that we have agency in it isn't as important to you as i guess it is to me so i think the agency <laughs> is going to be more about how it plays out in the illusion right is it going to be slower or faster is it going to be the long circuitous path or the short path but you okay. know all, all all roads lead to rome right so um Agency matters, but I think at the end of the day, it might be a matter of a very long time, but it's, it's, I, I really see it as somewhat inevitable. So what do you think is involved when you make choices like that? If it's not desire, and maybe it is, but it's just not only desire, uh, you know, 
think about the the example that you had given earlier. Like, what's what's motivating your thinking there? Uh, you know, curiosity. We know the the idea to try something new, maybe. But like, what other things are involved in like making a spiritual decision? Let's say, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about we have. Right. We have that. We have the front. We have the focus. We know that we're doing something that has spiritual import and therefore we want to act from principle, not react. Right. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of reactions, before I answer this question, I just wanted to mention something about your car example, um, at least at my level of understanding. Right. And we, we you talk about this in cast that we, we can only describe and explain and, and offer our perspective from our given current level of understanding. So in my sure. given current level of understanding, um, it's it. It's still very, it can be very difficult in the moment to outwardly do the right thing, quote unquote, right? Whatever. I mean, hopefully it's it's over minor stuff like uh, road rage or something, right? right? Right. But for me, what's, and this is why I think Ra emphasizes the daily practice of, I think it, they talk about meditation, contemplation, or, or quiet prayer, right? Is that, because I, I, I've had a situation where, I was back in early in my spiritual path. I was operating on shoulds. I noticed the reaction in me. I'm getting pissed off. But I didn't have the tools in the moment to actually accept and diffuse the anger in a in a very evolved way. I only knew how to suppress it. And yeah, if you're right. gonna if you're gonna bash the guy's head in, suppress that shit, all right? <laughs> but you know, you know, saying a few harsh words to a stranger or not saying them, you know, if you're doing it on bottom line is. Depending, obviously, depending on how harsh the words are, if you're going to cause a guy to commit suicide. But bottom line is, if you're, <laughs> you know, expressing outwardly the reaction or not expressing reaction, I think is less significantly less important than doing your daily work after the fact and getting to the root organic cause of the distortion later that day or maybe in a few days and then um, meditating on it and getting to the point when that re- when that situation arises next time you naturally just don't feel angry because you've understood it in a different way, right? And, and I've, I've done that repeatedly. And I, I think we all have to a certain extent. That's, that's what comes, that's the beauty of daily practice is you, you go from shoulds, I shouldn't be getting angry, I shouldn't be getting upset, to, all right, I'm upset, I'm angry, let me just not say something super hurtful right now, but I, I am giving space to my anger and I'm gonna revisit and try to f- get to the origins of this because I always say that I know everything is internal. And then I, I try to organically find the distortion within me and heal it. And then next time the situation comes up, usually this is true for most small to medium lessons. The big lessons, they'll take a, f- a few iterations of this. <laughs> I naturally am in that situation and I, I, don't, I don't get upset at them. And I don't get, I, like, so one big one that recently I've had to deal with is um, um, dealing with people who are incompetent, which is also dealing with people who have mental health because it's somewhat interrelated. And I just realized I had expectations that people who seemed like they are, you know, rational or didn't have severe mental health problems, they can still present like that, but they might have basically add expectations as to their level of self-awareness. Right. So it took many iterations of meditation, but I got to a point where now when someone is acting obviously irrational, despite, you know, claiming to be rational, I, I, I understand it a different way, but anyway, so going back to what you were saying earlier about, um, remind, remind me again before you got lost on this side point. Uh, man, I don't know. I was thinking about what I was going to say next. <laughs> no, you see, 
But uh, I I think what we were talking about was not suppressing actions per se, ex- but like doing the raw thing, the thing that raw talks about, which is the spontaneous response to the situation and doing your daily work so that you can trust your spontaneous response more. That's what I was hearing you say. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think that's very important because it is in our spontaneous response to things that we actually learn the most about, you know, where we actually are, what we actually feel like and what we actually desire and where hangups actually are. And then I think you are 100% right. You have the spontaneous reaction within limits, right? Like, but like most of us, you know, well-adjusted quote unquote adults, we have our responses within a frame that we've learned that's been pretty rigidly get and it's it's a important thing for us to learn what are the limits of like how to like you know societally respond to this without you know getting thrown in jail or getting walked all over right absolutely and, and that's important too you can't you it, can't absolutely be a pushover <laughs> and you you take this back to meditation and you balance it right mm-hmm. like 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 i believe that the balancing exercise is one of the keys to what it does is because it's a lot like cognitive behavior therapy, behavioral therapy in a lot of ways. Uh, there's a lot of uh, corollaries, but you're decoupling the emotional charge that you feel from the proximate cause. So you can deal with the emotion on its own terms instead of running a story and having that story generating the emotion in your memory, right? Like, or recalling the emotion through your memory putting it into like a narrative that then has all of this like thought form pollution, right? I, I'm using a fancy word, but you're running this story that's giving, that you're making all these associations. You're putting all this energy into this frame of reference that you're going to carry with you after this. And all, all, so that you can just experience the emotion on slightly more your own terms than if you just experienced it naked right experience the emotion as emotion and that's i think how we get um over time we learn what these more pure constituent vibrations in these muddy complex emotions that we experience are and we can get to the purified emotions where we're we don't have to keep going through the same catalyst because we've heard the tone we felt it it resonated deep within us right absolutely and so i think what we were what we were briefly discussing earlier or what you were leading up to, and, and this conversation ties into it is, um, you know, uh, quote talks about, you know, how expectation is kind of, uh, interrelated with curiosity or, or opposite ends to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I, I think that's very spot on because basically when you're curious, you're trying to learn something new, right? That's very different than having an expectation where you know, and a lot of times when you have an expectation and we honestly like expectation is ever present like that, that, that example I gave earlier of when you're interacting with someone who might have mental health issues or um, might not be good at something, you know, probably because um, in a certain sense, you don't like those things about yourself that maybe yeah. you're not good at something or maybe you have mental had a mental health issue in the past and that you, you know, obviously I was very motivated to work upon myself. But then I have that expectation for others, right? I'm like, why can't you be more self-aware? I'm, I'm showing you how to, and it's fine if you don't want to learn, but it, because, you know, everyone has a personal journey. But when I'm at work, I'm like, dude, you're not handling some basic 
mental health issues, right? It can be very frustrating. And you have that expectation of like, your life is just gonna be better. You know, you won't have these problems that you're going through with uh, doing this work. But, you know, it's, um, expectation seems to run counter to curiosity because nowadays when there's a catalytic situation, right? Or anytime there's a catalytic situation, sometimes you can you can come in come into that situation going, damn it, why didn't what I wanted to happen, what I expected to happen, why didn't that happen? Why did we have to have this catalyst, right? But now now I think when you when you've achieved some level of momentum, um and you see that there's a, a method to the madness of how catalyst works. I'm almost like curious. I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So, so because so, sometimes the catalyst it'll be obvious what inside me is getting upset, but other times I'll see catalyst and it'll be like, wow. So that job, I'm just making this up, but that job where I accepted, you know, this, literally the second day they had um, layoffs and I got laid off. Like, I don't take that personally. So I, don't, I wouldn't even get upset over that catalyst. But I'd see it almost from a, a curious perspective. Um, you know, as to, well, like, what is, what is, what's kind of the next story? What's, what's the next chapter in life, right? And approaching catalyst from just a very uh, childlike innocence, I would say. Yeah, like an openness. You're not looking for something and so you're not your perception is not narrowing it down to what you're willing to accept you're instead you're sort of wide-eyed and you're like willing to accept whatever it is that openness i think has a lot to do with uh setting the tone for your learning right how much of this you're going to take into the into the heart of self um yeah uh, there's a uh I think you saw the quote quote that I put in the notes about expectation. Would it be a good time to just go ahead and read that? Absolutely. Stop dancing. Stop beating around the bush here. All right. All right. So this is quo May 3rd, 1998. The eventual goal of those who wish to be and to move from that flowing beingness is to gradually replace expectation with curiosity. The ways of the mind and of expectations and so forth involve energies which seem to grasp and hold and stop the flow of rhythm and attempt to control that rhythm. Frequently, it seems that such manipulation works, and usually entities can convince themselves that they are in control. However, in the spiritual sense, the only control is in how to surrender to the small self and the small will. Sorry. How to surrender the small will and the small self to an infinite one whose wish for all is to give and to receive love. Each time, then, that you find yourself having imaginary conversations, moving into circles of concern and worry, and in general finding oneself knocking up against the corners of life, find ways to stop the momentum of that relationship with what is. Stop and remember that you are a child of the Creator, a child of eternity, and a child of love itself. You need do nothing but welcome the rhythmic and rightful destiny that awaits. And we are not saying that there is one fate for each entity, for it is our understanding that each has free will, and that each must of her own free will choose service to others or service to self. Rather, it is a question of whether you wish to go a straight route or a roundabout route. If there is control attempted in a working pattern, that will change the pattern. 
The more faith that one is able to express in the moment-to-moment rhythm, the more gently one may meet the unfolding of your particular story, and the shorter will be that moment of centering the self within that identity of being. Yeah, I, I pulled that out of a very interesting quo session, uh, May 3rd, 98. Um, but I noticed that it brings in the concept of control. And that also, just like expectation, seems like the complete opposite of curiosity. Absolutely. And, and this is why I love um, LL Research Channel material and, and in general is, so I haven't, I had not been exposed to this quote that I remember. But um, literally two sentences from what you just read uh, go to exactly the realizations I've had in the past two, three years. And I'll just read those two sentences. Stop and remember that you are a child of the creator, a child of eternity, and a child of love itself. You need do nothing but welcome the rhythmic and rightful destiny that awaits. Honestly, that's how I really see catalysts nowadays, bigger, the bigger catalysts. The one, the life-changing events catalyst, the ones where you're like, fuck, this, normally you'd be like, fuck, this just sucks. I don't even, like, obviously stuff still pisses me off, but usually it's more of the mid-level stuff now. Because if something's just so overwhelming, I just, I just see it through those eyes. And it's not like, um, I should, or, uh, so, so, then this is an important thing, right? To arrive at these realizations organically, like, it wasn't that I was exposed to these concepts in other places. I, I mean, I was exposed to these concepts 10 years ago, but they didn't, I didn't, the way I got to where I am today wasn't by just repeating in my mind, oh, you know, it, it, there's, there's, you know, it all makes sense. I, I did, that didn't really do it for me. The way I got here was twofold. One, and Raw talks about that, many channels talk about this, right? Ko talks about this. Uh, undistorting myself. Uh, specifically by using the energy ray concepts and going through the red, orange, and yellow. That was key. Because And the way I view it and the way I describe it to others who are unfamiliar with this is I think everyone's had days when you're sleep-deprived or maybe not sleep-deprived but super stressed out. You come home. Your significant other, your children, your family might be trying to communicate something to you, but you don't pick up on it, right? They might not be saying it overtly. They might have just said something once, but you're just so stressed out and busy. You don't notice it. Like you literally just don't perceive the communication that's coming through because of your stress. So the way I see it is that everyone has a relationship with the creator, the universe like that. But with because of our distortions of our stress, right? Red Ray worried about life. Orange Ray, you know, you have issues with yourself going up through the rays. You don't you don't you don't perceive that communication. You don't perceive that information. Um, so that was one huge thing was resolving that. And the second thing is, is, you know, Basically choosing love, right? Choosing acceptance over control instead of control and fear, right? And doing that repeatedly and having that momentum build. And once you, and that automatically starts building faith, right? Because you see the momentum. And once once you start those two things, like you just organically get to this place where you just, it's not a belief anymore. You don't tell yourself, you don't really have to remind yourself, I am a child of the creator, child of attorney. A child of love you just perceive it to be true so that when something seemingly horrible happens you're like all right wait you know like there's there's more to this than the egos or personalities or conventional interpretation as to what's going on and it's just yeah. a, it's awesome play I, I think and a part of it is, is curiosity because you're like well, I wonder what this means right this is like yeah. how are things this is kind of actually exciting in a strange way 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a curiosity about who am I in this kind of situation. In a way, um, like you know that search for the self um, that we undergo uh, in our moments of silence during the day, um, is not discontinued when we open our eyes and encounter the world. And a sense of curiosity can help us turn what might be, you know, situations that scare and, uh, contract us. Maybe we can like be a little bit more open and a little bit more curious about, uh, what the actual spiritual content of that stuff is. Um, and that comes from like kind of knowing who you are and not being scared of what reality might show you about yourself. That's kind of how I think about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I've noticed is that, um, and I guess, uh, I, per- I personally became much more interested in the concepts of my subconscious mind. Once I became spiritual, maybe there are people who, outside of people who are studying it for academic purposes. Maybe there's people who just, even without um, religion or spirituality, who are very in touch with their subconscious. But I became more in touch with my subconscious after becoming spiritual. And often when there's like interesting catalysts, like just, I would say minor catalysts. But now I, I explore it from the way of, oh, maybe my subconscious wanted this. And let me see what I might enjoy doing might enjoy exploring how i can turn this catalyst or this weird experience into like something interesting so so for example uh this is like two months ago i basically had a scheduled tire change or something Uh, yeah i got i was getting new tires and um i guess the place i was going to get them done costco we had it set up for like a i think a weekday appointment and basically it was a tight schedule so I would only be there an hour, right? It works out perfectly because we're all busy nowadays, right? Um, but anyway, they called and they're like, oh, we have to reschedule it to a Saturday. If you want it on a weekday, the next available weekday is like three weeks out. And I really wanted – I was getting these new tires because the current tires I had were like just really, really loud. And I'd drive like, I don't know, 3,000 miles a month or something. So I was like, all right, I'll just go there on a Saturday. But they said, just so you know, on Saturday, it's you know it's going to take like three to four hours um, and so I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. I guess what I'm going to have to do Uber or something. So anyway, I end up going to Costco and I notice, you know, it's a beautiful day outside and it's only three miles away from where I live. And I'm like, all right, I could sit here and kill two, three to four hours doing nothing. I like walking. And I'm like, well, I was just like, why does ha-? I was like, why does this annoying thing have to happen? And I was like, you know what? I like walking. It's a beautiful day. Why don't I just go walk outside? Right. And so I actually walked three miles back to my apartment and then came back and it just, so I normally don't like walking on city streets because, you know, you have to cross streets and, you know, wait for the crosswalk. It's just, just a bunch of bullshit. I just rather, if I'm going to walk or do hiking, just actually use a path. Right. Yeah. But which is, what actually happened was just the way the roads were. So literally for like basically three miles, one direction, there was basically only like five major crosswalks so i was like oh this is awesome like i could do this walk every day and that's actually one of my walks that i do i have like an urban walk that i do probably three or four times a week and maybe maybe the level maybe maybe this is me reading too much into it but the point is regardless or not whether this is something important or 
an option to happen. This is kind of the outlook I take on all of Catalyst. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is a nudge to explore this other thing that's related to this Catalyst, making this into a positive. And I'm I'm so thankful, by the way, that I that actually happened because now I'm getting out there and walking more. I'm really enjoying the walk. So it's like, wow, that thing that I was kind of really, really annoyed at <laughs> that I'd have to waste four hours, it, it actually became like a, an insanely positive thing, you know? So just kind of exploring the all the collateral consequences of, of a piece of catalyst from a curious perspective. Yeah, and it's like the um, it's like an alchemy of like turning things that might be negative through your perception, like changing that and just making making lemons out of, or <laughs> making lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> yeah, no that that kind of self awareness to be able to catch one's reaction to some sort of uh, undesired event is really interesting to me. It seems like a very, (laughs) in my opinion, it seems like a very advanced thing to do because when I I can tell you that when I go to the mechanic or I have to go get my tires changed or something like that, I want to be in and out. And uh, I'm not thinking, I don't expect any kind of lesson there. I guess it's the thing. It's like, well, this is just my, my, my tire BS that I do, right? Like I have to go do that every two or three years or something. Uh, and I'm not expecting it. Whereas it sounds like you have disciplined yourself to expect to find these openings to lessons and openings to opportunities. Am I hearing that right? Is there something, yeah. something special you're doing there? Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting concept and it is related to curiosity. It's, so there's absolute. I, I I at least believe, and I think Raw touches on this, and I, I you you can t- let me know if Quo touches on this, that some some things are just truly random. Now Raw also says that everything is catalyst. Literally every single perception is catalyst. Like, um, just the sensation of you breathing is catalyst. Like everything is catalyst, right? Yeah, but there's such a thing as random catalyst, is what you're saying. Right. Um, but I've noticed that even random catalysts you can use for transformative purposes. It's harder and you don't want to be, you know, sometimes you can't transform everything in, in a way you want, but um, it's, I found it very, very fruitful. Like I've, I've literally had situations where I later determined it was purely random catalyst. Like wh- five months after the catalyst occurred, I realized it's purely random, but at the time the catalyst occurred, I explored it through the, through the um, the lens of maybe there's uh, there's method to the madness, right? That there's either an internal lesson or something to explore. A very curious um, desire to learn based approach, right? And right. I actually was able to better myself from it, like uh, you know, evolve, undistort myself. Even though later on, I came to realize that it was not really necessarily. It didn't come about due to my distortion. I just ended up using it to clear distortion. It's just really weird to think of it that way, but that's, I've really been doing that more and more. Well, if we think of Catalyst as primarily um, the, the offerings of the subconscious mind to the conscious for consideration, right? Like what makes Catal- Catalyst catalytic is our subconscious response to it, right? Something about it that like, I mean, do you agree with that? Is that generally how you would define Catalyst? Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, because it's like, it's something that kind of like, the very nature of it is that it catches us off guard. The very nature of it is that it 
pushes us, it pushes a button or something. And the subconscious is kind of, they have the master plan on what pushes our buttons, what actually throws us off our center, right? And so it's kind of like a way that the subconscious offers us opportunities. So in that sense, in that sense that the subconscious is selecting what of this full-fledged 360-degree experience your perspective is going to actually chew on, your perspective is actually going to participate in. Um, in that sense, it's almost like there is no such thing as random catalysts because it's all filtering through the subconscious. It's all being picked out for what it wants you to see, and uh, you just have to kind of balance it and deal with it. Um, but from the point, of, I guess when we say random catalyst, what we mean is like something coming out of left field in our lives, right? Like we have our lessons, we have our issues that we're working on. We have our jobs, we have our families, we have whatever. And then something comes out of nowhere that doesn't seem connected to the pattern and the cadence of our life, right? Is that kind of what you mean by, by random catalyst? I just want to like dial it in a little bit. That That's definitely part of it. What I've also noticed is that, um, There'll be catalysts that um, seems directly related to a distortion, but then there's catalyst that doesn't seem related to a distortion. Like for oh, example, yes, like, I see what you mean. So, so, so here's an example. So a few years ago, I you know every, a lot of people develop allergies in their late thirties. My parents both developed allergies in their late thirties. So I started having weird allergies in my late thirties. They weren't like end of the world. I could just literally take like you know a kid's tablet of. Um, over-the-counter allergy meds, that'll be fine. But I was just, like, really annoyed. I'm like, dude, where is this coming from? And, you know, if you go to doctors, and to be fair, I didn't pay, like, thousands and thousands of doctors, but the few, I think two doctors I talked to, you know, they're like, oh, you know, these things happen, whatever. It just, you'll be fine. Just uh, just part of aging. Um, so I started food journaling, and, um, you know, nothing came up within a year. Um, so I started to explore, and... Throughout this process, start explore this um, allergy from like all the chakra perspectives, and I went through all the chakras, all of the energy centers, right? And you know, I was like, how can I perfect the? And I focus more on the three but lower ones. How can I perfect the red ray more, orange ray, yellow ray? Because there's discussion that allergies can stem from them. Ra also does say that just being a wanderer here can cause allergies. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you know, um, and honestly, I I my life. Who I be, who I was because of that process became qualitatively better. Like I realized that yes, I'm an introvert, but there's actually a certain minimum level of social interaction that I really enjoy having. The um, pandemic also helped me realize that as well. So I started, you know, uh, going out to parties more, you know, things of that nature. Um, and I, and I'm my life is more joyful because of that, right? Fast forward right. to after three years of food journaling, where I've already learned those lessons and, and the allergies still not go did not go away. It took me three years of food journaling to realize like there's this weird co a combination of foods that the allergy will show up like two days after I ingest it. So that was so it was really hard to figure out. Um, and you know I even asked my dreams uh, what uh, distortion is causing this allergy, and you know I actually for, sometimes the dreams are not obvious, but in one of my dreams I got it. Uh, guy saying you're asking the wrong question so i was like all right <laughs> something else but the bottom of line course. bottom line is it, is it either was as ross said it's the wanderer thing you have allergies um or it seems to be related to some sort of food but honestly because i meditated so hard on like where are the slight chinks in my armor in the red ray orange ray and yellow ray and i really like 
polish those fucking crystals, right? It uses those that word. Yeah. I was able to use catalysts, which I still believe is not really related to those red ray, orange ray, yellow ray issues. Who knows, though? Maybe I'm wrong. And become more loving, joyous, and happy as a result. And the idea is that random catalysts turned you on to some aspects of yourself that otherwise you wouldn't have naturally looked for. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, those are special times in my life, I got to say, where you just get like shown. You're looking at mirrors that are kind of within like, you know, 60 degrees of your <laughs> of your uh, uh, frame of view. And then all of a sudden you get a 180 view or like a 90 degree view. And it's completely different. Right. Uh, that that's really interesting. And that takes a lot of, uh, I don't think that people encounter that until they have done the kind of disciplined work on the self that, that you, you talk about doing, I'm not sure you would even recognize it as an opportunity at all. If you weren't centered in the self, right? If you didn't have it, to me, it's just like, it's doing your homework. It's so that you can be ready that's kind of like my philosophy is that like, you don't know what's going to happen today. So be ready for it. And like, then you can like use it to its full advantage instead of being used by it. Right. Like that's what you want. I mean, there, there, you definitely learn a lot by being used by catalyst. I mean, letting it run you down, like can certainly teach you like nothing else. But if you can, that you see, when I say the Lord's prayer in the morning, that's what I think, um, I, I'm I'm not quite as Christian as Carla, but it was part of my upbringing, and I find a lot interesting in a more mystical interpretation. And um, there's a part of the Lord's Prayer that says, "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." And there's a there's a I don't know if it's Kuo or Hatan or who, but they they break it down, and I really like this interpretation, which was let us the 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 idea is. Don't prevent me from seeing my lessons. I want my lessons. I know that they will be hard. Let me see them, but give me the grace to see through them, right? Give me the grace to see what they're trying to tell me. And that's kind of how I feel about um, th th this kind of uh, subject, that what we want is, even in these times that catch us uh, unawares, if we're centered, we have a better opportunity of seeing What's on offer? Because any experience that happens to us that makes an imprint is offering something. There's some sort of harvest of it, right? And it's and, and like and we don't necessarily even need to have a conscious understanding of what that harvest is. It's okay for it to work on us without us consciously participating, but it sure is nice, and I think it serves the creator all the more when we can be aware of something. That has made an impact on us. Something that 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 made a dent, didn't just pass through, and center, and then bring that, if possible, into meditation. Seed it in the roots of mind, like those of Ra say. Like really give this gift of the Creator to the Creator, uh, uh, the the respect it deserves, and that just that allows us to like use the experience completely. And not lead. And there's no waste product necessarily when we do that, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, as we're, as we're talking about catalyst, uh, it's often said that everything is 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 love. And um, you know, it's one thing to 
hear the words, but it's a, another thing to kind of understand it at, at a different level. And so it makes sense that even breathing, right? There's love in that, right? Love is of the moment. And, you know, I think for any of us who have delved a little bit deeper into meditation, or I guess have been lucky enough to have one of just an amazing experience early in their journey, um, you know, I don't claim to know what opening the gateway to the intelligent infinity or what enlightenment looks like or anything like that. But, you know, there's moments where you feel like you, you touch infinity, right? And absolutely where you feel just the way I would describe it, or at least what I've, what I'm trying to describe. And, uh, is that sometimes, and this can be outside of meditation, right? It's usually when you're just, it has, it occurs more, most often when you're really at peace, right. And calm and relaxed. Um, it's almost like this uh, deep sense of peace and the peace, like the emotion of peace at the deepest level seems to turn into like ecstasy and a feeling all over your body. And what's interesting is um, there's many practices, right? Kriya Yoga, for example, it uses the breath to kind of, for my understanding, I'm not an expert in Kriya Yoga, but part of what it can do is it can achieve that state through breath work, right? So I, I just, I didn't mean to <laughs> use the example of breathing as catalysts to be something profound. But then when you, we, we start talking about how, you know, um, using, using catalyst and then I was like, wait, er everything is catalyst, right? And even breath is catalyst and, and breath can take you to that state. So maybe, maybe it's all catalyst and what changes is how curious we are. When we're not curious, the catalyst needs to be more like, hey, it's directly related to one of your distortions. Ah. But when we become more open, more more that childlike innocence, and we're willing to explore, because sometimes, you know, just breathing and feeling relaxed, I've gotten into those states without trying to meditate, where I'm just like, I'm really relaxed. Oh, this feels really good. Oh, let me take a, even a deeper breath and just like sit here, just yeah. peering out the window. And exploring that, that, that interest in exploration is... um what enables us to use catalyst that doesn't seem that doesn't have to hit us over the head with pain and discomfort. Yeah. Cause uh, those of raw do say like, there's nothing. Well, I don't know if it's raw. It's one of them. It's one of the, uh, one of the usual suspects. They say there's nothing intrinsically. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. There's nothing intrinsically like better about suffering to learn your lessons than not suffering, paying attention. Right. And, and, and catching it without needing the two by four to the head. Like it's all about your choice. Like what you want to do, like you can do whatever you want, dude. Um, and we encourage you to like, you know, be, be ready for this stuff and like catch it when we throw it, when, when the creation throws the ball. Um, but you know, if you miss it, if you drop it, like you can go back and pick it up. Like you, you need both, right? You need the, the, the patience with yourself to understand that, hey, <laughs> you know, if you uh, if you knew how to do this, you wouldn't be experiencing the catalysis, right? Like it wouldn't be happen. Like the whole point is for you to learn. This is all a positive uh, a mechanism for your evolution and your growth, and you can't go wrong. But at the same time, um, to be able to stretch yourself a little bit. I mean, that, that that's kind of like, uh, 
that's kind of the whole point in a way for me with phenomenal reality and a human life is that like, yeah, everything's pretty much okay for the most part, uh, except in like really, really extreme situations. Everything kind of like, like flows along in the way that it flows along. Uh, But if you can use that stability and that rhythm to maybe like, instead of just playing the tune the way that it's written, maybe like throw in a weird John Coltrane note in there, right? Like maybe go off key a little bit, just see what a little bit of chromaticism sounds like. Sorry, I'm used to speaking to a co-host who's a musician. So <laughs> we usually find a lot, I, I, and I use musical metaphors a lot. Um, but this idea of, I guess, I guess it's improvisation, isn't it? Like making a work of art out of your life rather than, it just being this kind of thing that like pulls you along by its own momentum, right? Like you're setting the momentum. Cause I thought it was interesting that you were talking about momentum a lot at the pat, uh, at the beginning. And then that first quote that I read uh, mentioned, or the second one mentioned momentum as well as a function of, of curiosity. And now I'm like, we're kind of saying, you know, this momentum can be, uh, something that pulls you out of yourself and uh, can give you like a new a new look at things, right? Absolutely. I think I lost the thread there a little bit. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> there, there's just there's just so many different aspects to this, right? Which thread the pole, right? Yeah. Um, I I am not a musician, but probably um I would describe when I'm outside of meditation, then the the perception I have of the creator would be this background music that's ever present, and when you have catalyst that feels like it's hitting you over the head it feels like maybe a discordant note but it's not even a discordant note you just stop hearing the music right at least that's how i i am um but when you know after i've done more inner work you can still hear the music and you you improvise right it's not a discordant note it's just it's a change in the music it, it's a seeming change but it's still if you allow it and you approach it with an open-mindedness it, you can often see how that becomes beautiful in and of itself right yeah, the way that a jazz artist can take the dissonance and actually do something really cool with it, right? You know, what what do they say like uh jazz is just when you like go with your mistakes instead of like stop and go back and do it again. You just kind of work with your mistakes and it reminds me that uh Ra often talks about life and evolution as a dance. And I think that's kind of part of what they're implying, right? That you kind of got to be a little bit supple and fluid and you got to kind of like bob and weave through this stuff. Uh, that's, that's the wrong metaphor. And I think I've misused this metaphor on this program before, but you know what I mean? Like you're, you're dancing to, uh, this rhythm and every once in a while the music changes and the notes change and the, it modulates and you have to like change your groove and somebody, Oh, somebody's coming uh, to your left and they're not looking where they're going. You got to like, you know, just kind of like, you know, Neo uh, in the matrix, just kind of just bend back and walk, let them miss you. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's almost like, surfing right there's this rhythm there's this balance and you're just kind of going through it but we do lose our footing sometimes and so there's an opportunity to forgive ourselves and that's part and parcel of stretching ourselves right maybe that's a maybe that's a good uh way of looking at evolution from a human point of view is that evolution stretches us 
to go outside our boundaries and to, and to aspire to more. But it also, in that stretching, gives us plenty of opportunities to forgive ourselves and to do the groundwork that allows uh, for us to have the confidence in ourselves, right? Like in forgiving ourselves, in coming back and never giving up on ourselves, we learn to have confidence and express that true self that's within and let that guide us through the dance, right? Knowing that it's not going to guide us wrong. You know, I, uh, I love the dance analogy and, and, you know, I love the music analogy and thinking back to this, um, I don't know how, how much of, uh, of a student of the tarot archetypes you are. I'm, it's something, it's always been on my to-do list. I actually think I'm probably, uh, you know, Raw talks about, uh, Tree of Life, uh, the tarot or, um, astrology. And I think I'm actually right. more interested in astrology. I've actually lined up the 21 constellations and I, it's on my to-do Ooh. list, but, um, I still look at the, the images of the card and if you look at the great way of the spirit, card 21, I actually don't know the tip, the normal name for it. It's uh, basically. Um, the world. Is it the world? The world. I think so. Okay. It's basically. Great way of the spirit. Yeah. Card 21. Yeah, yeah. It's basically a woman who's playing um, some sort of harp, but the harp also is in the image. It has a face. So, you know, I, I didn't like meditate on this image, but I came to perceive reality in such a way that you know, we are both the music and the musician, right? And really, that's exactly what this card is. That's exactly what you're talking about, that we are both, that uh, creation is both the dance and the music, right? So I, I think the, and, and Ra talks about it, I think the analogy is exactly on spot. And you gotta, you know, you gotta sometimes, you know, if you're dancing with someone else, sometimes you'll be leading. Um, other times, maybe, you know, you'll be the one who's following, right? And you just kind of have to be supple and go with the flow. Like a good conversation, right? There's like an energy of the way it bounces around and you're just kind of like working with that energy. And uh, man, it's nice to have a good, uh, it's nice to have a good dance slash conversation partner. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, were there any other aspects that we wanted to explore? Uh, I feel like uh, we, we're, we're starting to coalesce on a few key points and i'm not sure if i have much new or novel to introduce here what about you so there is one other aspect that um cool that actually just came up recently uh the past 15 minutes um you know I, I think my my understanding of curiosity has actually changed during this conversation it's actually become much more clear how central it is to kind of uh this entire process of uh you want to call it spiritual evolution whatever you might call it but what struck me was, why do we? Why is it so difficult to have this childlike innocence, this childlike curiosity? Um, mm -hmm. And is it difficult because of cultural and societal structures that are in place? Is it more deprogramming? Now, you know, I, I talked about how it is. You know, it is about undistorting your lower rays and also building momentum. But is there also an aspect that is directly tied to what we're taught is antagonistic to? expressing this this childlike curiosity which seemingly is a fundamental part of reality right well we live in a society where it's not really society parents are naturally afraid for their children and they know how curious children are i know this is a really like uh very banal explanation of what you're talking about i'm sure we can get something more sophisticated and deeper but kids are often warned against being too curious i have to say 
And they have a lot of experiences in their life often uh, where curiosity is not rewarded. Are you a, you're a parent though, right? I am not. Oh, you're not a parent. So. Okay. I was going to say. we. So go crazy. No, no. I'm not a parent either. I was like, we would be good to get input from a parent here. Um, yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, but w- but why isn't curiosity rewarded more as a child or wh- why are like, what are, we're just seeing examples. I think I, I like where this is going. Cause this would be, there's something more primal than just society and culture. Cause I, you know, I think most, a lot of cultures don't encourage the same curiosity you have as a child to retain that into adulthood, you know, like well, let's let's be clear. If we're talking not about Western cultures or like American culture, even in American culture and certain fundamentalist <laughs> families, right? Like we should not take it as a foregone conclusion that people are encouraged to be curious. No, no, that's what Just I'm saying. Right off the bat. I didn't mean to. Okay. Uh, maybe I misspoke. Um, people are not. I feel like in a wide variety of cultures, people, uh, adults are not encouraged to be curious. Okay, good. Now, good. I can only probably only speak to American culture and, you know, um, even though I grew up here, I was born and raised here, my parents being from India, I can also speak to at least 1970s India culture. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's not really encouraged as an adult there either, from at least that era. I can't speak today. I mean, the innovation in a kind of capitalist, technological, like, build your own business or come up with your own idea, that's like the most that curiosity is encouraged it's like because it issues into something that's going to like, you know, make you rich or make you happy or stable or something. It's not for its own sake, for the sake of living a more vibrant life. Right. Because I think people do because I think people do take uh, roads in their life that others don't understand. And if it were acceptable for them to just say. I had an itch. <laughs> I had, I was curious. I had to go find out for myself. I think a lot of people would understand that, even if they didn't agree with it. But that's not, there, there's a part of me that says that that's not a, a, a way that we think normally. That's not a way that we think about how to relate our lives to others' judgment, right? Right. Like, like if you think about academia and the university and this concept of higher education, you know, what it used to be from medieval times was the, it's kind of David Graeber, uh, the anarchist anthropologist talked about this. This used to be the place where we put all our eccentrics, right? All the people who can't make a living out in the real world, they're going to go to the academy. They're going to go to the university, to the college. They're going to teach and work on their stuff, and maybe nothing will come of it their whole career. But every once in a while, right, because we let these people loose and we don't make them go and work a nine-to-five like the rest of us schmucks to, 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 to make a living, and they have time to think. They have time to explore their own uh, inclinations and their own uh, scratch their own itches. And uh, every once in a while out of uh, the academy, something brilliant like theory of relativity will come out. Right. And it will change. It will change everything for people. But you need to have that space in order to be curious. And I wonder if a lot of people don't have the space to do that. If you are working three jobs and trying to raise a family, when do you have time to be curious? 
And I think it goes back to the leisure thing that you were talking about that Ross said that there's a certain point in our spiritual evolution. We need the leisure in order to let things, to have the stability and the security to be able to ask more penetrating questions that, 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 that will take us down a new path. Otherwise, we got to keep our heads down and we got to keep everything together. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just stuck in, you know, basic survival and those basic right. stresses. So it's it's yeah, it's very interesting that perhaps just because we we so value productivity, profit, that all forms really, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably have a, a cast on this, and we I, I know that uh, this is the area we've everyone's talked about um, at least our our group a lot yeah. about how our society, worldwide society, is so ever focused on just like basically making more money, right? Um, being yeah. more productive and when you have everything kind of focused in on that things that don't directly contribute to that such as perhaps the individual's um spiritual self-realization or evolution is not going to be useful or something to be encouraged and if curiosity is not directly um related to making profit except in those narrow fields um it makes sense that it's not encouraged and what's also interesting is that um a lot of jobs are, um, you know, you, you're working for someone, right? They're very uh, hierarchical. And they often don't promote independent thinking. In, a lot of them don't. And the reason I say this is, you know, having a little bit of background in management, there's so many management articles that are like, you should promote independent thinking. You should promote devil's advocacy in your organization from your un, from people underneath you. You should promote disagree, healthy disagreements, right? Radical candor. Because it's seemingly so hard to actually have that in an organization, right? Because your boss just wants you to do this and everything else is a waste of time, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, imagine your arm telling you, no, we should rethink that brain, right? Like from the from the point of view of the brain, right? That, that's a huge problem. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's how hierarchy works, you know? Um, I... I well, a fixed hierarchy. You know, my theory is that service to others hierarchy. There's a hierarchy, but who's at what position changes, right? Depending on the situation, because we all trust each other. We're not competing. So sometimes you take the lead. Sometimes I take the lead at the top of the pyramid. Whereas in the service to self hierarchy, everybody's fighting to keep their position, right? To fix their position. That's their power. Um so the idea that uh, curiosity would be useful in this command and control environment, uh, yeah, that's, that's clearly, it's rewarded, but only when it works out. They love curiosity when it happens to work out in, on their behalf. They don't like curiosity for its own sake, and therefore you don't have the same uh, freedom to failure that you do to succeed. Right. That's the problem. And, and it not only has to work out, but it has to work out in such a way that does not undermine the authority position. Because oh, yeah. it might work out great, so, but if it makes the person in charge look well, bad, you're, you're, it's not going to be good for you. Yeah, how can they're not going to be able to take credit for your work unless that work suited them the way that they wanted, right? right. Like that's how all you know uh, all the credit rises to the top, just like Ross said about negative hierarchies. Uh, so one kind of final thing is where. Um, closing the conversation down how much of a role has curiosity played in the creation of what you're doing here today not just the podcast but the other selves working group and things of that nature oh oh 
oh, you are, uh, you've given me a real treat because I think this is exactly the spirit in which we've been doing this project. Um, I think it has been the, the hypothesis that we posed to ourselves, uh, the four of us when we started it, was could we build a spiritual community of real quality remotely? Instead of us all moving in <laughs> at some like city and, you know, uh, into like some house and becoming, a, you know, yet another cult, could we, uh, could we just find ways to leverage, you know, video chats and podcasts and chat rooms and stuff like that and get close enough, close enough. And then maybe supplement with some meetings every, you know, once or twice a year. And so it's still an open hypothesis, uh, but that spirit of having that as my lens, as my focusing lens through which to look at what kinds of service would be useful in that setting has been really, really uh, challenging, but also enlivening to my entire life, I feel like. And I definitely think that it was a matter of, I mean, I, I could have just done like let me just start a site let me just start a website have people come to my website advertise for it whatever but what i really wanted to do was see well what if we could all empower each other to do the service that we all feel moved to do and we can all help each other in that particular service each individual wants to do um and then when we are doing our study, when we are doing our conversations and we're learning from each other and we're building that energy, uh, instead of us just keeping that energy to ourselves and then going home, we focus consciously on taking that back into our lives and spreading that, that love and light that we've built up to in our individual lives and in the separate spaces that we live. Uh, that is a uh, project that anybody can do. They don't need a group to do that. But the idea was, could we intensify it? Could we focus it more? Could we use the law of doubling, really use it, even though we don't all live in the same place? And uh, so far, it seems like there is a response to this attitude that has really taken me aback and uh, impressed me. Uh, that there's this kind of, that there's other people who care like this, who want to put it into practice, who are tired of just talking about it on forums, you know what I mean? Tired of just talking about it in this kind of flippant way where it's almost abstract because we don't really apply it to our lives. Not in a way that we actually, I don't want to say hold each other accountable for, but make space so that reflection on such mundane details about our lives. There's a space for it. And it doesn't feel like it's indulgent. It doesn't feel like you're wasting somebody's time that you know that, Hey, by virtue of the fact that we've gotten these particular people together who care about these particular kinds of concepts, it's safe for me to open up and be vulnerable and to really open myself up to what I'm not seeing that kind of intense work. Uh, Requires curiosity on the part of the people involved, but I would say it was also like it's all a function of my curiosity about how far can we push spiritual community? How far can we build a project that self-consciously anchors love and light on this planet in a way that can really materially, I hope, 
maybe I'm misusing the word materially, but sometimes it feels like very material uh, help that we are trying to give, at least trying to give to this planet as, as we shepherd it, as, as we midwife it into fourth density. It just seems like um, the time was right for people who had been putting this message into practice in their individual lives to come together and not just once a year, right? Not just once a year we fly into Louisville, but doing it on a regular basis, checking in with each other, making sure that we can reflect accurately the creator in each of us to each other on a regular basis so that this becomes for everybody who is involved the way that it's become for me and it sounds like it's become for you where spirituality isn't a sideshow. It's the main event. The job is the sideshow, right? Like the, the, like the other things, like for me, the band is the sideshow and like the, the, the working group in a lot of ways is also a sideshow because it's not about the specific form that we chose. It's about the thing that we're getting after to do it. And if there's a better way to do community, I'm completely open to it. Right? Like I'm all for what, allows us to bring that honestly like hearing you talk about how you use principles of curiosity to 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 to, to propel your catalyst in your life and to, and to give you more choices than you might otherwise have more opportunities to respond to things rather than react that is exactly the kind of thing that i'm looking for that kind of uh these ideas about how to approach things differently now I'm just kind of like rambling on and on, but you can tell that this is, I, I, I really appreciate that, that you see the spirit of curiosity in all of this because it could not work and that's okay. I know at least I tried and that we tried. And I think uh, you said it right when you said, uh, I think a lot of people who are engaging you know, a part of this group are, they have to be curious. I mean, I'm here, yeah. you know, not just part of this podcast, but I've been talking to you because I'm very curious as to what you're doing and very interested in it. And I'm, I, I'm thrilled to see how far it's come and I'm looking forward to seeing how far it's going to go. It blows my mind. And I am so happy that you are with me because the conversations that we've had at like LL events and stuff like that, I just feel like you are a true fellow traveler and I have, I've learned so much from you in this discussion, just like every other discussion. Uh, it's really mind-blowing. So with that, I will thank you for uh, being so generous with your time and coming on. Um, I know that it's a lot of uh, things to hold in your head, and 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 you have uh, really uh, just been a great guest, and I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. Uh, so just to, uh, catch the audience up, uh, no Ryan still, uh, no word on when he's coming back, but that's okay because I've got other guests lined up. Um, and I can't wait to bring Nathan back. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm enjoying this different, uh, flavor of the inaudible podcast and I hope y'all are too. So, uh, you know, go to the website inaudible.show, uh, go to the contact form, let us know what you think. We always love hearing from you. And until the next episode, my friends, stay in the love and light.